did not have. And I was determined before I left that campground that I was going to have the Holy Ghost. But as I matured a little bit, when I was 12 years old, when God called me to preach, he called me into ministry. And uh, I was fortunate to have pastors and mentors that were able to guide my life and work with me and, and, and teach me and allow me to grow in ministry. Um, and I started preaching when I was 15. I've been preaching ever since. That's 35 years this coming July-ish. I've been involved in active ministry since the time I was about 14, teaching Sunday school. I was an outreach director. I just do all kinds of things. Um, and God just kind of exploded from there. So you went, all of that took place in West Virginia, right? Maryland. Grow, or Maryland, Maryland, growing up. Yep. And uh, brothers in West Virginia. My brother family, is in West Virginia. Um, so all that in Maryland, and then you went to uh, Indiana Bible yep. College. I graduated. Congratulations. Yes. I graduated yeah, in 1991. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 1995 uh, with a bachelor's degree. And from there, I went to Marion, Indiana, where I served as outreach director and youth pastor. And um, in 1996, I came to Kendallville for the first time. And that was a long time ago. There's one face that I remember from 1996, and she's right back there in the back in the purple. And if you haven't had one of her hugs, they're the best. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was looking for something else, looking for God to open doors. And the story of how it transpired that I made it up here is a God thing, and we don't have time to go into it. That was in, I moved in January of 97. Um, I, I, I did, I, whatever needed done, Brother Brad, I did it. Bus ministry, Preaching, teaching, Sunday school teacher, youth pastor. There's some there's some kids sitting in here that are my kids. Um, one of them's right over there, Sister Sarah. Hannah was right on the fringes of my youth group. Um, I, I had a whole crowd. I had uh, Brother Bill's all all of Brother Bill's kids except for Hannah and all of that. I had Michael and our Autumn. So I did everything here. Had to go home for a few years because of some medical conditions that were just out of my control. But in 2009, it just I had to come home because this was home. And I moved back here in 2009 and was here until 18. Okay, so looking on, on all those years, that was, <laughs> what, 20? 20-some years. 20-some years of ministry here, here at New Life. And uh, we can't... You know, we look we look at ministry. Ministry has its challenges. Ministry has uh, also, you know, just some incredible things uh, that that we see that can happen. And as you look at, at those twenty some years, what to you um, is something that you are so thankful? I, I know you just mentioned oh, wow. some of these different areas that that you have served in, but. But what are some of these these areas or some of these things that that you can remember taking place here that you're going to carry with you forever? Oh man, there there are so many. There there are for me. There I I remember um, one. We were still in the chapel. We had not this facility had not been built. 
we were still over in in the sanctuary over there, and it was a it was a um, it was a New Year's Eve, and we we were ringing in the new year, and we prayed the new year in, and then Pastor Arjambal challenged us to just go ahead and pray. And I can remember I, I remember being prostrated on the floor praying. And hearing hearing my pastor stop where I was where, where I was at, and pray over me and pray over my ministry, and those kind of things are impactful. When you think it doesn't, you don't have to be the pastor for that to be impactful. As 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 an adult, as a as a child of God, just walking by and stopping and saying, "Lord, touch," that that was one of the most impactful things that I can remember. It just, it's still etched so clearly in my head. Um, I, I remember some baptisms that were kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But I also remember the life-changing services that just, just, I forgot the Snyders were over here. They've been around a while, too. Amen. Amen. Remember some great services with you guys. And just to see just to see the growth. Right. Right. You know. I you know, some of that you, you mentioned that watch night service that, that, that took place and uh, so often these things can happen or some so often these things can be etched in our mind because of the season of life mm-hmm. that we are in. And for you, you've had you've had quite a quite a road that you have walked down. And for those of you who, who know Ginger, um, you, you know that it hasn't always been easy. In fact, it's rarely, if ever, been easy uh, in, in, her, uh, in her journey. And it's not just about, it's not just about you, know, you know, uncertainty about, you know, about ministry or uncertainty about job situations or any of that. But you have had a, a health journey for yourself that since you were born, since you were born, since before I was born, <laughs> right, since before you were born, yep. you have had health complications mm-hmm. that you have carried throughout your life or that you have, uh, you've been in and out of doctor's offices. And this is something that I really want to talk about okay. today. And uh, we're, we're just going to enter in, I just want to enter in a conversation about, about, about walking this journey through life, knowing that you are called by God, mm-hmm. knowing that you have an anointing on your life, that God has even used you in, in, in different capacities uh, to, to lay hands on somebody and to, and to pray, and, and you see healing there. And yet for yourself, even today, you still have health complications that you're dealing with. Um, and we'll get into some of those, those questions um, about, about you know, how, how do you handle being able to be used, but but first, maybe for those, uh, I guess even for those who do know some of that, uh, if you could just walk us just a little bit, maybe let's just go to these last couple of years, because that's kind of a, uh, a culmination or microcosm yeah. of, of everything that's it taken really place. It really is. Uh, 2016 was when um, life went from difficult to, I don't know if I can walk this road anymore, difficult. Um, I had, uh, my colon perforated 
And by the time we got to the hospital, I was septic. I had infection literally all through my body. They did emergency surgery, and they removed a large portion of my colon, gave me a, a colostomy bag, and that was not good. It was not in a good place. It was not a good stoma, and I'm allergic to adhesive. It, it was bad. Um, All of this is, you're, you're still here in Kinderville. I am still time, here right? in Kinderville. 2016. Yep, 2016, I'm here in Kinderville. I spent three months in the hospital. Um, three months of not being able to go out to eat, not being able to fellowship, not being able to do the things that you get so used to doing, as well as the uncertainty of we don't know what we don't know how this is going to work out. Um, I had wound nurses that had been dealing with my kind of you know, the colostomy bags for decades that said this is the worst thing we've ever seen. That, that's always pleasant. But in addition to that, that acute medical, physical aspect, uh, there were some things that happened uh, in that time frame that threw me into the darkest, deepest pit of depression I have ever been in in my life. And if I'm real, Austin, and I'm honest, it's seven years later and I'm still trying to claw my way out of that pit. And so you fast forward 2017, we're trying to deal with adrenal glands that won't work. And we're, we're, we've got some, some autoimmune disorders that they're finally discovering. Uh, 2018 has its own challenges from a different kind of perspective, but through all of it, I was just dealing with these health issues and it was kind of like one blow after another, just you, you think you've got one thing under control and smack you in the mouth and you got something else happening. You know, everything seems to be going great, but, oh, <laughs> wow, got that call. Thanks. Um, in, in 2018, December of 2018, I got very sick with, with a great bout of, bout of pneumonia, both lungs, bronchitis. We tried to treat it. My grandmother died in 2019. And we went to her funeral. We drove out to her funeral. I actually preached while I was out there. And three days later, I was in a hospital in Effingham, Illinois, and they're telling me, you, you got some problems, honey. You're septic. You've got infection. You've got double pneumonia. You've got lactic acidosis. You need infectious disease. You need a respiratory specialist. We're sending you to a hospital in O'Fallon, Illinois. I get to O'Fallon, Illinois, and the doctor comes in, and we're talking about several different things. And he said, you have got an extra artery that we're not sure quite what it's doing, but it's coming from your heart, and it's wrapped around your trach and your esophagus, but we're, we don't, don't know what it's doing. They did some more testing, and they found that my trach, um, and I know you can't see this, but there's one always in my Bible, or every Bible I carry, a coffee stirrer. It's about two millimeters in diameter. That's what I was breathing out of. That's what for 46, 47 years I was breathing out of. And if you remember my horrible cough that wouldn't go away was a result of my trach and the issues with my trach. And so 
they moved me immediately into ICU and said, we can't do anything with you. <laughs> you got to go to Barnes in St. Louis. And once I got to Barnes, I don't, I was intubated and I spent an entire month in a coma. In that month, they did two surgeries, one to do a bypass and they did a thoracotomy to remove that extra artery. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, when I came out of the coma, I, I was confused. I was never had a problem with my heart. So my uncle's saying, he's saying, you know, you've had heart surgery. And I'm like, dude, it's fine. Leave it alone. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. mess with it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. It's the one thing that's been good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they were quite certain that getting rid of this artery would just fix everything. It didn't. And by the time 2020 rolled around, um, my cough was getting worse, and I was actually stopping breathing. I would cough, and, and I just couldn't get air in. And long story short, we found out that I had a condition called tracheobronchiomalacia, which in short terms. Can you say that again? Sure. Tracheobronchiomalacia. Okay. Okay. I had to learn how to pronounce it. I went on Google and let Google teach me how to pronounce it. I also had to learn how to spell it. Uh, I, I can give you a spelling quiz and a, a verbal <laughs> we'll, quiz if you'd like to. We'll do that after, <laughs> after church today. Basically what it meant that my trachea and the two bronchial tubes went into my lungs. When I breathed, when I exhaled, would completely collapse and cutting off air supply. I couldn't get things, when, when they would collapse, I couldn't get air in because it wasn't working. I couldn't get CO2, I couldn't get the carbon dioxide out. And it was, it was, it was bad. I, I was, in 2020, and, and when I say I'm still clawing my way out of the pit of 2016, threw me in. Um, in 2020, when they told me I had this issue, I was... I was, I had do not resuscitate signed when they went to do the bronchoscopy to figure out how bad the tracheobronchiomalacia was, my wills, my powers of attorney, all that stuff was on my desk, as well as the, the do not resuscitate. And the deal I made with my family who was not happy with me was if the surgeon came back and said we could fix it, he thought he could fix my trach, that I would rescind all the DNRs and I would continue fighting to stay alive. But if he came back and said, I can't fix it, I was done. I was done going to the doctors. I was done fighting. I was done taking medicines. And I would go on palliative care and whatever life held. But God came back and said, I got something. I, I'm not done with you yet. And long story short, I had some episodes where I would completely stop breathing that threw me into ICU at Barnes for three separate months, August, October, and November. And they ended up doing the surgery in December, which was a little bit sooner than he wanted. But when the, I woke up for the first time in my life in 46, 47 years, I could feel my lungs expand. I felt myself breathing. I, I cannot tell you what that felt like. You guys, 
feel it all the time. I still am in awe of the fact that I can breathe and that I can feel it. My trach had three problems. The, the collapse of the trach, the extra artery that for 46 years or so had you know, wrapped around the trach, and with every heartbeat, every single heartbeat, it would squeeze my trachea, would squeeze my esophagus. And so it compromised the structure of the trach. And then I have an autoimmune disorder that Carter dilapsing polychondritis. You want to spell I that? I won't quiz you on that one. <laughs> that one's the easy one. <laughs> it attacks cartilage and cartilage-like tissue. And the trach's rounded structure is cartilage rings. And the trach is also cartilage-like material. So when they did the surgery, my trach was nothing. Literally, get a coffee stir sometime, put it in your mouth, hold your toes, and try and breathe. They fixed it all. And I have a completely mesh trachea. When that happened, all the inflammation that the autoimmune kept, my trach inflamed. I haven't had, this is going to blow some of y'all's minds, I haven't had pneumonia since 2020. That was a <laughs> yearly, several times yearly. Multiple. I mean, yeah. I, I could tell you when I had pneumonia. Yeah. I haven't had pneumonia since 2020. Yeah, so I'm in a, you know, there's, I'm, I'm maintaining some stuff. There's a few things we're dealing with, but that's right. kind of the journey. So uh, that's, that's the journey since 2016. Medically. Medically. Not mentally. Right. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's more that we could have even oh, dove yeah. into. But we're not here today to talk about the, the, the medical miracles. And I'm thankful for what the doctors did. And I, yep. I mean, I believe that that's, uh, I believe that God was in that yes. and that God was the one who directed them. And in fact, in fact, if we could, uh, there was, there was something that happened. And this is, this is where I want to get, this is where I want to transition this a little bit to, to what God was doing and God's hand in this. So before any of this was discovered, I believe, is this when you were out preaching? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so when yeah. you were out preaching, yeah. you're, you were at there at your grandmother's funeral. Yeah, was three, my... days, three days before right. you ended up in the hospital. I was, first of all, I was so heavily medicated that I don't remember a lot of it because I just need to get through the, the, the weekend. But I preached at my dad's church that weekend through a trachea the size of a coffee stir. And it was a super... But you didn't know that. I did not know that. No, I was just preaching. I was just being ginger. I was just preaching like I preach. And we had a dynamic move of the Holy Ghost. There was gifts of the Spirit in operation, tongues and interpretation, uh, word of knowledge, gift of prophecy. I mean, it was just flowing. And my dad had come up to me, and my dad prayed for me. And when my dad prayed for me, I just went to the floor. I was slain in the Spirit. I mean, we were out at the altar call type period and there was a gentleman there who evangelized out of that church and I didn't know him well but he came to me while I was laying in the middle aisle on the floor slain in the spirit he knelt down beside me and he said sister Zimmerman the Lord told me to pray for your trachea and your esophagus I don't know what my face did I really don't he said I'm going to put my hand right here on on your chest. Is that okay? And I shook my head. Yeah. 
Well, he began to pray. And he began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And he began to pray in tongues. So it was perfect prayer. I, on the other hand, am not being as spiritual as he was in that moment. Because I'm laying on the floor thinking, dude, you have missed the mark. You are so far off base that it it's like, because I've never in my life had an issue with my trachea, my esophagus. Yeah. To you, it's autoimmune. You had breathing treatments, all this that you'd done. Yeah. You, you knew. I mean, you'd had, you'd had the, the breathing issues yes. all your life, but you never knew. No, I ne- we didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue. And I remember laying there thinking, dude, you are like, man, I hope you get it right next. I mean, I was like being not really not spiritual. I remember saying, thinking, I hope you get it right next time because you got it wrong this time. What I didn't know is what was going to happen in a mere 72 hours. I don't know, Austin, Pastor, I don't know if that prayer was a prayer to protect me over the next three days until I got to the doctors that could start helping me figure this out. I don't know if it was a prayer that when I went in for my normal, I'm sick, I have pneumonia, I can't breathe. If it was a prayer that God was going to reveal to them with the right tests, with the, the, the trach showing up, the artery showing up like it needed to. I don't know which prayer it was or if it was a combination of both. What I do know is I feel like that was a prayer that I'm here today because a guy that I didn't know got on the floor and said, God told me to pray for your trach and esophagus. Right, right. And so you have the journey, the medical journey that you went through, that you've gone through all your life dealing with these issues, but you have God showing up in little things like that. In, in moments, moments where you haven't, you haven't received a, a, a miracle healing. You haven't, you haven't had somebody lay I shouldn't say that. You've had many people lay hands, lay hands on, on you and say, be healed. God's healing you. God, God's, God's giving you back yeah. uh, your, your, your health. And you've had that many times. And it's not to say that God has not healed you from this or that, but, but from the, the, the overarching medical issues that you've had in your life, you've had to walk through it. I've had to walk. You've had to walk walk through it. We, we, we tend to think as specifically as apostolic Pentecostals that we don't have to deal with trials because when I get the Holy ghost, it's just supposed to take care of it all. And there's shouldn't be any hard roads and there shouldn't be any bumps and I shouldn't face this. God doesn't remove that from our lives. Right, right. We still have to go through things. Sometimes he heals. I, I remember praying for a young boy years ago, and his leg, Hannah, grew out in my hands. His pants were too short when he left church that night. What he didn't leave with was a limp. I remember that. I, I, I can still see it in my head. But you know what? I went home still having breathing issues. 
we still have to walk through the journey. Sometimes God gives the miracle. Sometimes he doesn't. But you still have to walk the journey. How, how for you, have you, have you uh, kept that faith to be able to pray for somebody else, even though for yourself you have not seen the healing that you so desire? I mean, it's not, it's not your desire that, sh- that God has not healed you yet. But how do you continue to have faith that God is still able to do it for somebody else? Or even God can still do it for me. Yes. How, how, how do you still have that faith? I, I, when I sat down to think about that, and, and that rolls through my head, the first thing that I think about is, and it just went from my brain, I, I need to keep my perspective on who he is, not on what he gives. Let me say, right. let me say it on, again. Say that again, yeah. My perspective needs to be on who he is, not on what he gives. Right, right. We live in a society that, you know, everybody gets a trophy. We all get what we want all the time. And we expect God to work like that. If I want it, God needs to give it to me. Now, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have kids, thank God. I'm contemplating writing a book that says the title would be Reasons Why I Have a Dog. I'm up to about 4,000, by the way. Um, But last night, it was kind of interesting. Sherlock had gone into our bedroom where we're staying and had come out with a specific chew stick. And when he did, Megan's dog, Bucky, it was like he was like on high alert. like, And Megan and I could just tell. This could be an issue. So what I did is I picked up my dog and held him because it was going to take me a minute to get the stick from him. Sherlock wanted that stick in that moment. But I knew as his mom or his caregiver, whatever you want to call me, that letting him have that and letting him have free reign with that was going to be in nobody's best interest. He thought it was. Bucky thought it was. Megan and I said, "Mm, no, not going to happen tonight. But we expect God to just, oh, you want that, you want that specific thing? Oh God, just give it to me, God. And we focus so much on what he gives or what he doesn't give when my perspective should be on who he is. Who he is. And when I look back, that's probably the best way I have known to stay in relationship is by focusing on who he is. And for you, that was settled a long time ago. Oh, that was settled. Of who he is. That was settled a long time ago. Like, I know I've had the Holy Ghost 40, 43 years this year. But I'd say it probably got settled when I was about 9 or 10. And I really got an understanding and have there been times when I've thought, I'm just going to walk away from all this? I'm just, just going to, you know. But if I, if I think to myself, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to just leave. I'm, gonna walk, I'm not going to serve God. But before I go, I'm going to thank God for what he's done for me, Sister Virginia. I'm going to thank him. 
And when I begin to thank him, my list of thanks becomes greater than the trial I'm going through. It becomes, it overshadows the trial. The trial is big. The trial is hard. You know, but when I think about who he is and the things that he has brought me through, then walking away, because I don't know, walking away means when I'm facing the diagnosis of everything I've faced. (laughs) God's not there. Who do I have? I don't have anybody. And that's what's got me through. I think of, you mentioned perspective. And my mind goes to David when he wrote that psalm. He said, my feet almost slipped. Mm -hmm. My feet almost slipped. And when I I looked and I saw that all of those unrighteous people, that they, it seems like life is so great for them. It seems like they are being blessed that, you know, that everything, uh, you know, they're, they're never faced with the trials that I'm faced with. My feet almost slipped. I almost walked away from God. But then I stepped into the presence of God. Then I, I came into the sanctuary and my perspective came in, back in focus of really what's important. My perspective came back in, back in focus of at the end. Yeah. At the end of all of this, there's something that is eternal and there's something right. about what we face here on earth that is temporal. Yeah, it's temporal. This is, yeah. is going to pass. Right. But what I'm reaching for is one of these days. See, this is what I live for. One of these days, my eyes are going to open, and I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to go about my day. But my eyes, Brother Brent, are never going to close and sleep again. Because one way or the other, either via the grave or via a trumpet, I'm going home with Jesus. Right. I'm going home. Yes. And when I think about going home, that begins to overshadow the trials. I know we have our Sunday school classes are going to be making their way back in here before long. And I know um, you had a couple of things that you wanted to get to as far as in this journey, in this journey. And so you already talked about perspective and the perspective that we have uh, on, on keeping that with God. And keeping a, a, a pers- right perspective of who God is rather than what he does for us. And, um, and so for yourself, what else could you say has kept you, has kept you during this journey uh, and, and allowed you to have that right perspective? Has allowed you to have that, that perspective that is, is about God now? Uh, for, for yourself, you see the, you see the blessings of God. Uh, but but you still have the the internal things oh, that yes. you're wrestling yeah. with, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of mental stuff that I deal with. I was diagnosed with PTSD. Would you know that to look at me? Walk into a hospital with me. Walk into a hospital with me, and you'll know. I deal with major depressive disorder, and I deal with severe complex anxiety issues. Because there just comes a point where the human brain can only take so much. And we, 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 
Christianity as a whole has tried to say, well, if you once you get saved, once you get the Holy Ghost, just pray through it. No. We cannot just pray through everything. I, I'm, a, I'm a strong proponent of praying and staying in, in, in the altar. But sometimes that mental struggle is like, ah, Jesus. I can't, I, I, okay, I know, yes, God, I know there's blessings. I know who you are. I know you're my defender. I know you're my rock. I know you're my fortress. But God, I cannot do this anymore. And in those times, it's easy to just get in the molly grubs and stay there. Trust me. What I am learning, here's what I'm learning. And when I say I'm learning, I'm meaning I'm learning it right now at this stage in my life. Not not yesterday, Hannah, not a year ago, not six years ago. I am learning it right now. David wrote, I believe it's David wrote in Psalm 66, he said, Fear thou, for thou, I'm sorry, for thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou brought us us into the net or into prison, what it really means. Thou laid affliction on our loins. You caused men to ride over my head. I went through the fire. I went through the water. This last statement, he says, but thou brought me into a wealthy place. There's not money in my bank account when I say I'm wealthy. But I've had to learn to lean into the peace of Jesus. I've had to learn to lean into the grace of Jesus. I've had to learn to lean into the mercy. I've had to learn to lean into the compassion. I've had to learn it. And I'm still learning it. And I guess the last thing I would say, and it's something that the Lord has really trying to help me with don't feel bad don't judge yourself don't condemn on, yourself somebody hear this right now don't say god doesn't love me anymore don't say i i i'm not a good christian don't say i, I i'm i've lost my holy ghost uh uh-uh. uh mm. you know what you are you're a human beating fighting with the things that human beings fight with. You are not translated yet. You are not immortal yet. You have not reached incorruptible yet. And you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through depression. You're going to face anxiety. You're going to face the mental stuff. Give yourself grace. Give yourself mercy. Allow yourself... To come into the house of God with people that love you and be real with them. Be real with them. Do not hide it. I feel the Holy Ghost if you let me go just a minute. Do not let the enemy tell you 
you're worthless. I'm talking to somebody today. Do not let the enemy tell you that you've lost your place and your standing in God. Don't let the enemy tell you when you're fighting with depression or you're fighting with anxiety that you don't have a place in ministry anymore. That you can't get up and sing. That you can't get up and, and, and play an instrument or, or you can't get up and, 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 and do the things that you've been doing. I've come to tell you it's time to give yourself grace. It's time to say, you know what? God brought me through the fire. He brought me through the river. He brought me through the flood. He let him run over me. God let him run over me. God let him lay burdens on me. God let him put me in prison. Oh, I'm not talking about Noble County Jail. I'm talking about a prison of your mind. I'm talking about a prison of your thoughts. Don't let what you're going through, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or anything in between, or all three of them combined, do not let that tell you you're disqualified from service to the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not disqualified. If you're here today and you you walked into this place and you say, "Man, I I, I don't know the last time that I've even I've even trusted God for something because I feel like there's too many times when I've come, I've come up to an altar and I've been prayed for and it hasn't happened yet. I, I'm sure glad. I'm sure glad there's that one story of Jesus. This, this is Jesus. There's a story where, where he comes and he prays for the blind man. And it says that as Jesus asked him, what, what do you see? And his response is, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him again. And as he touched him again, his sight was completely restored. I'm so glad that, I'm so glad that story is in scripture. Because that, what that tells me today is that sometimes there's a process to healing. And we see, we see that it, it was two touches that Jesus did, that Jesus prayed for him once and then he prayed for him again. But, but there's a process that happens in healing sometimes. And what we need to do is keep on coming. Keep on believing. God, God, I know that you're a healer. God, I know that, I know who you are. God, and, and my faith in you is not going to waver. My faith in who you are. I believe your word to be true. I believe your word, God, and I'm going to stand on it that you are a healer. And I'm going to come today. And if that's you right now, and you need healing today, or you need, it, it doesn't have to be physical healing, you need emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever it is. If you want to come today, I believe that God can come and He can heal whatever wounds, whatever scars, whatever hurts. He can heal you today. Amen. There's healing in the house. There's healing in the house. If we could just stand all over this place, we're going to go. through the water. 
just lift up your hands. Amen. If you believe that God is here, if you believe that God, amen, is right now going to do a work in your life. My God will.